Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. first time, um, I, I had asked her, I, I had said, look, you ha- we haven't had you speak in, 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 our, in our English service. Would you like to do that? And she said yes. And it's, it so happened to fall on, on this week, which was a blessing to me. And so all the way from the 9 a.m. service, Spanish pastor uh, Maritza is going to be bringing the word. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you this morning. How many of you guys are happy to be in the house of God? I want to thank Pastor Ryan for giving me this time to share the word of God. And I don't know if you could feel it when you walked in, but the spirit of God is in this place. I don't know if you can sense it, but the spirit of God is in this place. It's not because I'm up here. I have nothing to do with it. And that's the first thing that I told the Lord. Lord, I don't want anything to do with it. You take over. But let me tell you today, God has a word for you. He has been working with me in the past couple of days. And praise God, I had a couple of days off. I sent the kids to youth camp. I sent my husband to youth camp. It was me and our dog. Glory to God. So I had some time to sit and simmer in the presence of God. And I said, Lord, what is it that you want to speak to your people this morning? It's always fun when you can do that. It's hard to do when you have children. Right now, we have Jeremiah over from Florida. We have our nephews over from California. So I have a bunch of teenagers in my house and praise God for Tia Paola because Tia Paola, she took a couple, but y'all pray for me because we still have two more weeks. And if you know me, you know that I like to be alone. I like to be in the quiet. I'm nothing like my husband. I'm the total opposite. And so it's been awesome, awesome, awesome the past couple of days. And um, this morning, I would want you to please just stand to your feet. I'm going to go ahead and read the word of God. Turn your Bibles to Luke 15. And we'll be reading from verses 11 through 24. And if you don't have to get up this morning, don't get up. God has a word for you. And the word of God says in Luke 15, 11, give me an amen if you're there. Amen. Hallelujah. And it says this. I was about to start reading the Spanish side, guys. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. He set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. 
So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods and that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, say it with me, a long way off, his father saw him. Say it with me. His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. Say it with me. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring me the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found so they began to celebrate let's pray this morning father we come before your very presence thanking you father god for your word your word is already blessed lord god your word is already working in our hearts this morning lord god all we ask lord god is that our heart may be accessible to your voice our ears may hear you father god prepare the terrain in our hearts to receive the seed that will be planted in our being this morning father god I know that you gave me this word for a reason and a purpose. And if it just so happens that one soul, Father God, is saved from the pits of hell, I will glorify you and I will praise you for that one soul, Father God, because that one that was lost has been found. So we will celebrate. We love you, Father, and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. You may take your seat this morning. Hallelujah. God is good. And before I forget, I'm going to explain my spiral here. Do not lend your kids your chargers, please. I'm over there at home by myself looking for the charger of my laptop. So I'm old-fashioned, but guys, I know how to use a laptop. But it didn't happen this week. So here I have all my notes in a good old spiral that's not going to turn off on me, that's not going to go crazy on me in the last minute, I said, okay, Lord, I have to accommodate to whatever you want. Amen? So as we see this story, and I'm sure you guys have read it time and time and time again, about this prodigal son, Jesus was speaking to a multitude of tax collectors, of sinners, of Pharisees, of scribes, trying to explain or have them understand why he had been sitting with nothing but sinners. He begins to speak to them in parables. Now, what are parables? 
parables, unlike fables, which are made up stories that teach a lesson. A parable is a story that Jesus used to exemplify heavenly truths here on earth to reveal more of the kingdom of God. Basically to dumb it down. And I always told the Lord, dumb it down for me, Lord, so I understand what you're trying to say. So the parable begins, and it speaks about one father and two sons. And we notice in the story that the youngest son asks for his inheritance. There's always one. Parents, there's always one that will push your buttons. There's always one that will test you. Right? So in his case, it was the youngest son. He had everything, absolutely everything he wanted and or needed. This is a conversation that my kids and I have pretty often. Do you need or do you want? Sometimes we raise entitled children that once they leave the home, they have no idea what's out there and they don't know what it is to earn something, right? So this kid felt entitled. He was at home living the good life. My little sister didn't move out till she was 31. Huh? I, 28, I'm sorry. 28. Why? Because she knew the good life. She, mom cooks good. That's part of living good. He had absolutely everything he wanted. Life was good. I tell my children time and time again, because we have these conversations, you know what, mom, I think that I'm going to move out. I said, that's fine. Go right ahead. You're going to save me some money. And I tell them, but you have to leave everything that doesn't belong to you. So that includes your shirt, your pants, your undies, your socks, your shoes, your phone. Everything stays. But you can go. The door is open. There is not a problem with me. So you have everything at home. He had everything. He was covered by his father. He was stable. Daddy always made sure they had everything they needed, everything they wanted. They were fine. They were good. They were living the good life, a very stable life. And you know what? I would like to think that he respected his father, even though, as we read... He pretty much demanded, where's my half? Where is my inheritance? Give that to me. Now, that father was definitely not my husband and I. Because if my child, and you know what? Now that this is coming to my memory right now, my kids just realize that we get money because we have three kids. You know, after taxes and all of that. We get our little portion, right? So my son was like, Mom, so since I'm making you guys money, is that my, is there a cut for me? And I said, no, brother. No, bro, I said. There is not a cut for you. We spend way more. 
than that. But this father was definitely not my husband and I we would have been like, <laughs> come again? What did you say? You want your half? What are you talking about? I would like to think he respected him a little bit. But as I was thinking about this story, about this parable, I said, Lord, what brought him to that position to think that, hey, I want to leave the comfortability of my home, the security of my home. What made him think that he wanted to leave the place of security, the place of comfort, the place of love where he was covered? What made him think that way? What made you want to leave your parents' house? Don't say it out loud. And I'm not going to say it out loud because mom's probably watching and my dad is too. But what made you want to leave your house? What made you want to uh, crawl out of a window and leave? Don't say amen. Because I've heard stories. But what made you want to leave? What made this young boy, this young man want to leave? No rules. No conditions. I know if you were to ask that boy today, why did you want to leave? Do they mistreat you? Are they mean to you? Do they have rules set for you? And he would probably say, yeah, well, they do. And I know that I'm good there. I know that I'm taken care of. I know that I'm safe, that I don't have to worry about anything. So why do you want to leave this? He wanted control. He wanted control of the inheritance that was supposed to be given to him at a certain point in time. He wanted control. Don't we typically tend to connect the prodigal son to the person that has left church? The person that has left the walk with the Lord? The person that's out there right now that's not in church? Don't we always tend to connect the prodigal son to that? But how many of you guys have requested the blessing to take control of it yourself? Can you connect to that? Can you connect to that part? How many of you guys love to have control? And that's the title of my message, Repeat Offender. I am a repeat offender to wanting to take control of situations. This parable should be one that we reflect on on a daily basis. We fail, we sin, we fall short of the glory of God. Repeat and repeat and repeat our offenders. There are things that we need to release into the hands of God this morning. What is it that you're holding on to with all your might that God has been playing tug of war with you for the past couple of months, for the past couple of years. Here we are playing tug of war. What is it that you need to release this morning? Is it your marriage that you need to release to the Lord and, do, and ask him to do what he needs to do to your marriage? 
Is it your finances that you constantly are struggling with because you don't know how you're going to make ends meet? Is it your past that clings on to you like that monkey and you can't release it to the Lord? Is it your future that you're afraid of what's going to happen tomorrow? Is it that that you need to release? Is it your career? Is it your children? Is it your ministry? We hear it time and time again, let go and what? Let God. But do we really let go and allow God to take over? What happens when we constantly want to have control over these situations that at the end of the day we have no control over? That causes anxiety. That causes uncertainty. Let it go. The Lord tells you this morning, let me have that which you want control over this morning. This morning, God is speaking to someone that has issues with control. And you can't tell me that you don't have issues in control, have you, with control, excuse me. Have you ever been the passenger when someone's driving? Glory. I'm going to talk, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say this because of me, right? Well, I am. Sometimes I'm driving. My husband wants me to drive. He preaches Sunday, so I get to drive. I'm driving, but he wants control. Glory. I hear several testimonies. Hallelujah. Gloria a Dios. It's true. He's the passenger. I'm in control. I'm driving. Don't tell me what to do, where to turn. I have my maps for that. Si o no? It's true. He's like, babe, you're going too fast. Babe, you're going too slow. Babe, you're breaking too fast. Babe, you switch lanes too late, Glory. But it's constant. And I'm like, babe, do you just want to drive? Why am I even driving? Wait till you get to teach your teenager how to drive. Glory. We're, we're in that. He's doing pretty good. But he wants the control, but I'm the one behind the wheel. I'm like, let me drive. Leave me alone. So we have issues with control. If you can identify yourself in that situation, glory to God, you have issues with control. Amen. But when you release these things to the Lord and you allow him to take control, the Lord, he goes in there and he works his magic, if that's what you want to call it. And he does what he needs to do. But if we go back to the scripture, we see that the father did not fight back. I had to read that several times over and over. Let me see. In verse 
Okay, it's verse 12. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not a word came out of his mouth. The father did not fight back. He did not try to convince his son to stay. He didn't say, you know what, that's the enemy showing just a facade of what the world looks like. That's the enemy showing the glitter of what it looks like out there. He didn't say any of that. He didn't say, don't go, you can't leave me. He didn't tie him up. Guys, I have thought about that. It's scary to know that our children are exposed to so many things and we can't tie them up and say, you're safe here with mama. You're safe here with daddy. This father did not tie him up because he understood that sometimes God takes things forever, but sometimes God takes things to process them and bring a better version back. So he said, here you go, baby boy. Here's your portion. Go do what you want to do. He released the inheritance because the father was stable. The son, as soon as he asked for his inheritance, that's where we could see that his heart was faltering, that he had other plans in mind. But the father was stable. Verse 13. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. He set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. He was no longer under the protection of his father. Now, Being that he was with his father at a certain point in time, he was full of the blessings of his father. He had food in his belly. He had the possessions that were given to him. He had money. He had everything. He was full. He was good. He felt good about it. And he walked out and he spent all his money living a lavish lifestyle Spending money on prostitutes, spending money on sinful things because he was no longer under the protection of his dad. His dad was no longer there to tell him, uh uh, you can't spend it there. That's what I tell my son. He's on his second check. And I said, Gordo, you cannot spend your money on Amazon junk. All I see are charges. I'm like, you can't. But daddy was no longer there to tell him, you shouldn't spend it all that. Once you leave the protection, you're on your own. Now, why is it that he was okay walking out? Because he was full of the blessings that his father had given him. But he had been uprooted from the place where he was being blessed on a regular basis. He was pulled up. And he went on on his own. So we think of a tree. A tree, a strong tree. If you pull it up by its root, 
it's going to live about 15 days. It's going to be full of life for about 15 days. We know we have 36 trees on our property. We know it's going to, it's going to live. It's going to have green leaves for about 15 days, give or take, because it's still full. It's still full, but it's full on reserves. The roots took in the fertilizer, the nutrients that it needs. But once it was uprooted, it still had reserves. So everything was still intact. Everything looked okay. And this is how this boy felt. He felt okay. He was on reserves. But how many of you guys know that reserves don't last that long? So if you're coming to church to get charged up and wait on to the, to the next Sunday to receive again the word of God. You're, you're running almost on empty Friday and Saturday. What are you doing during the week? Are you being filled by the presence of God? Are you seeking the presence of God? Or are you running on fumes and reserves? That runs out. Whatever, and once you leave the presence of God, once you go out on your own and start to experiment the things of this world, you may feel happy because you're running on reserves. But those reserves will run out. And what was making you happy will no longer make you happy. The constant drinking will no longer make you happy. The constant clubbing and going out will no longer make you happy. There will be an emptiness in your spirit and your soul for seeking more. There's something else out there that I need. We read and we hear about these artists that have money and actresses and actors that have everything at their feet, yet they're still seeking something. They're still seeking peace. They're still seeking love. They're still seeking something that's out there that will rescue them. So what makes you think that you and I will be okay if the Lord blesses us, right, with, with a job where we're going to make plenty of money? You think that that's happiness. No, that will only last but a time. And you will come back to the feet of Jesus saying, this is all that I need. And let me tell you, this is what the enemy does. He sees you in your father's house. He sees you here right now. He knows that you're here. What time is it? No, don't say that. (laughs) No, for real. (laughs) He knows that you're here. So while you're here, there is a hedge of protection covering you. While you're in the presence of God, while you're seeking the Lord daily, there is a hedge of protection over you and over your family. So what does he try to do? Just like he pulled that prodigal son away from his father's covering, He will try to pull you and I 
from our father's covering. As soon as he was able to pull him out of that covering, he began the work. He had him spend everything that he had, every last cent that he has, that he had. He presents what's nice to pull you out. What looks more enticing? A church service? And I'm going to go way out there. A strip club. What looks more enticing? What looks more fun? Those are tactics of the enemy. Because behind all of it all, you know what, what's behind that? Pain, sadness, nothingness. That's what's behind it. Nothingness. Don't allow him. Be on guard. Don't allow him to pull you out. He begins to spend his wealth. He finishes it off. No longer is there instruction. No longer was daddy there. Where there's no instruction, there's destruction. If you're not being instructed in the things of the Lord, we do have Wednesday classes, guys. We do have the new believers class, guys. If you're not being instructed in the word of God, you will find destruction. There was no counsel. So if there's no counsel, there's deviation. There's an imbalance. Seek instruction. Seek counsel. He had all the gifts. He had the gift that was given to them, but without direction. A son without a father. Imagine an inheritance, richness, without a father, without instruction, without counsel. Verse 14. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. Do you know it's not the same going through situations without your father's covering? Being out in the world and not having anything to pay the bills with, you literally have nothing. But when you're under your father's covering, I'm not saying your bills are going to be paid. But what I am saying is that you have someone to run to. You have your father to run to. It is different going through situations with your father's covering. When we think of a hurricane, right? What is the first thing we go do? We go buy water. Toilet paper, glory. <laughs> Wipes. Hallelujah. Snacks for the kids. We think of our children. How are our children, are our children going to be okay during this? What is it that they like? What is it that they need? Milk, eggs, bread, hot Cheetos, Takis, the necessities of life, right? We think of our children. How much more does our father think of us? 
If we think that way of our children, if we put our children first in the need, in, 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 the need, in our needs, how much more does our father? Matthew 7, 11 says, if you then, though, are evil, know how to get good gifts to your children, how much more will your, will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? How much more? How much more does our Father want to bless you? How much more does our Father want to love on you? If being that we're evil, we love our children, how much more? Verse 15, so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Once this young boy, young man, was stripped of absolutely everything, an offer was made to him. The offer to provide for himself, he had to figure things out. He was no longer with daddy. He was no longer covered. He no longer had the possessions that he had before. So He was stripped from all of that. And now there was an offer on the table. The offer was made to herd swine or pigs. Now, if you look at history in the Bible, swine or pigs were considered to be unclean, especially for this Jewish boy. So he had gotten to the lowest point He no longer considered himself a son. All he knew is that he had to provide for himself and he had gotten to the lowest point and he was going to herd swine. The lowest of the lowest. So this job was given to him. It's unclean. And it took his dignity, his honor away. You were a son. You were a daughter that had everything. Now you're a nobody with nothing, not even your dignity. How many of us have heard that? Joy was but a distant memory. What he had lived in his father's house was a distant memory. The enemy managed to get him where he wanted him. And oh, does the enemy want to get us there. The enemy had hijacked, has stolen his identity as a son. He had stolen his peace. He has stolen his love, his joy, his purpose. He had killed his dreams, his aspirations, his honor. And he was there to destroy him, finish him off. And the word of God does say that he has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And that is what the enemy wants to do to you and I. Show the pretty side. But then go in and steal and hijack 
our identity, our peace, to kill our dreams, thinking that we can never go back to the Father's house. Verse 16. He longed to fill his stomach with the paws that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. He longed to eat what the pigs were eating. There was a desire, there was a hunger in him. He was desperate. He wanted to fill the void, still with the mundane, with the unclean, but none of this brought satisfaction. He still had hunger. He still was in need. Verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. It says, but he came to himself. He came to his senses. Something clicked. And he was like, but at my father's house, I like nothing. What am I doing here? Have you gotten to that point at one point in your life? How did I get here? How did I get to this point? How did I fall so low? How did I screw up so much in my life? How? What happened to me? Who am I? Have you ever gotten to that point in your life? How did I end up here? I never lacked anything at my dad's. I was full. He must have felt sorrow and pain. And in his distress, I would like to think that he quoted Psalms 121. I lift my eyes to the heavens. Where does my hope come from? And in Spanish it says, ¿De dónde vendrá mi socorro? Socorro means emergency means immediate. It means 911. My help comes from the Lord, the one who made heaven and earth. He doesn't slumber in the pit. He, he looked up to the heavens and he said, I lift my eyes towards the heavens. Where does my help come from? He wanted to be back at his father's house. And I wonder, I wonder what dad was doing that whole time. What was he doing at home? He only had one son left. What was going on? I wish I would have been there. But I would like to think that the whole time This dad was praying and proclaiming the promises of God over his lost child. He was interceding. And he sang, may his presence go before him. And behind him and beside him. And he declared, he is with you. He is with you. He proclaimed the promises of God over his son. 
I think there's a theme going on this morning about that. Proclaiming the promises of God over your children. And I would like to think that he got up every morning and he ran outside and he checked. Is he here? Has he arrived? Has he gotten back home? And I tell you, mom and daddy, if you're praying for your lost son and your lost daughter, keep expecting Keep holding on to the promises of God. God is working. Watch for that blessing. Watch for that salvation. What he started, he will finish. I'm sure he got up every morning doing the same thing, grabbed his cup of coffee and ran outside and said, is my son here? Is he here? Do I see him? Is is that him? Watching out for him, waiting to return. While his son was still in the pit. Playing out the scene in verse 18 and 19. You can read that. He played out the scene. This is what I'm going to say. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to explain myself in this way. He had definitely hit rock bottom. I'll work for my father. That's fine. But at least I'll have a glimpse of hope. Because I know as soon as I returned to my father, I'll be under his covering. I'll be in the background, not to worry. I can no longer take my place as a son, but at least I'll have a place to stay. Don't we always play the scene in our head? I still do it. Go before the presence of God. Remember, repeat offender. And I'm like, slowly, shamefully walking towards him, playing the scene over and over. And I'm like, Lord, here I am again. Here I am again. I have messed up again. And this boy's walking Towards his father, slowly, shamefully, playing the scene in his head. He was dragging his feet ashamed with a toe between his legs, knowing that he had messed up big time. But that same morning, dad got up, walked outside. And it says it there. The second part of verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. He walked outside, he rubbed his eyes and looked far away. Was it his son? He walked like him. He kind of looks like him. He looks thinner. And to his delight, his prayer had been answered. The word says that he saw 
him. It just doesn't mean that he looked at him. He saw his beloved son. He saw what was his. He saw a promise fulfilled. His lost son had now been found. His condition didn't matter. The stench of his past didn't matter. The betrayal didn't matter. The repeated offense didn't matter. His son had returned. And that's how God sees us. It doesn't matter the stench of your past. It doesn't matter what has happened in your life, what you have gone through. All he sees is that you, his son, his daughter has returned. And then it says that he ran with urgency. He ran with urgency to meet his son. He felt compassion. He embraced him and he kissed him. He knew that boy knew what he deserved just like you and I. But he allowed his father to embrace and to kiss him. Will you stand to your feet this morning? In verse 22, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. As his son tried to state his case, the father kind of ignored him. He didn't ask him why. He didn't say, well, come on, you messed up. But he ordered that a ring be put on his finger. The sonship had been restored. He said, bring a robe. And he clothed him with love and righteousness, covering his shame and his guilt. He said, bring him some shoes. If we read into the original context, shoeless represented, to be shoeless represented spiritual poverty, self-exile, and he restored that. In this altar this morning, this altar right here is your scene. You made it here today And you played out the scene in your head. But I'm here to tell you that the Lord sensed an urgency to meet you here. His arms are wide open. And this isn't only a salvation call. Like I said, this is something that we as believers struggle with. Control. On this altar, you will find a ring. Now, don't think we have a ring up here. We don't. A ring to restore the sonship. God wants to put his name back on you. 2 Corinthians 6.18 says, I will be a father to you. And you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty.
this altar, you will find a robe that covers you with love and righteousness, that covers that shame and that guilt that you feel. Isaiah 61 10 says, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul, my soul will exult in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. And you'll find shoes appear for restoration. And it's funny to see. How Ephesians 6.15 says, And with your feet fitted, custom made, with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, know that the process that you went through, know that your past, if you could think about it this way, has been shaped to fit your shoes. Now it says the gospel of peace so if these shoes have been fitted for your testimony to bring forth to those people that surround you freedom someone needs to hear your testimony don't shut it off so I want to tell you this morning that the presence of God is in this place Your father is right up here. It doesn't matter where you're coming from. It doesn't matter your past. I don't care if you've been here your whole life. Your father awaits with open arms. Your father is up here with a ring, a robe, and shoes. Ready to celebrate you. It doesn't matter how many times you've made this decision. Know that every time you come back, he receives you with arms wide open. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at My Numa Church. Thanks again and God bless.